When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. I hope everyone has recovered from what turned out to be a very stressful opening match of the season. (laughs) I don't think anyone was expecting a match against Venezia of all teams to be so stressful, but it was. That's what we're going to talk about today. But first, let me introduce today's panel. We have two guests once again. Both have been on this podcast before. I'll start with Joey Cacavale. Joey, welcome back. Thanks. What's up, Joe? How's everything, man? Not too bad. I'm, I'm living life. We got a big win on, on an important first day of the season. So we'll get into the stress of all that. But let me introduce our second guest, Gianluca. How are you? Doing good. Doing good, Joe. Thanks for having me again. Happy we got a win. And I beat Joey in Fanta Calcio too. So it's yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I knew that was coming up, man. We get it out early. We get it out early. We move on. That's it. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this match. We won 2-0 on goals from Lorenzo Insigne and Elif Elmas. But as I said, that did not give any indication of how this game actually went. Let's start with the big major talking point in the match, which was Victor Osman's red card. Let me very quickly describe what happened because in Canada, at least, and a few other countries, actually, there was no legal way to watch this match. So there might be some fans out there that didn't actually get to see what happened. And then I'll get your opinions. Napoli wins a corner kick about midway through the first half. Just like pretty much every corner kick in the game, there's jostling in the area, some shirts being tugged. Victor is jostling with Don Heymans. He retaliates to whatever Heymans is doing, and match official Gianluca Arelliano immediately takes out the red card. So, Joey, let me come to you first. Was this a harsh decision? Oh, Definitely. Most definitely. To me, that's never that's never a red. I've seen guys swing elbows on corners and, you know, hit somebody in the shoulder, maybe even the face. And sometimes they'll just give them a yellow. I mean, over the years, it's progressively getting worse and worse. You can see that it's called a lot tighter now. I mean, what did we have? Seven red cards this weekend? It's kind of crazy the way the game is going. I think it's getting way too sore for me. But at the same time, I think uh, Osman he's got to control his temper because he's going to get a reputation sooner or later. I think he had a red last year, I believe. He did, yeah. It was I was going to bring that up, actually. I'm glad yeah. he did. It was uh, in the Europa League against Real Sociedad, I think, in the group stage. Yeah. So, a stupid I mean, one, too. I think he's got to control his temper. I mean, maybe he's not used to Serie A yet. You know, maybe it's going to take another season. I don't know. But this is the way the game's played. And guys are going to have their hands on you. And the thing that gets me about this red card is I watched the game again today. 
Heyman's had his hand around the back of his neck, kind of tugging him a little bit, you know? And that'll make anyone a little frustrated, obviously. But you can't turn, you can't extend your arms, you can't attack a player like that. Now, this happens all the time, in my opinion. This happens on every corner, on every set piece. This is always happening. I think I think the proper way to do it is to give a yellow. If it's warranted, check it on VAR and then give the red. But to give a straight red, and, and, and I'm looking at the ref, and he didn't even give it right away. He walked up, looked at him. I think he saw Osman's face as he looked back at him, and then he flashed the red, and, and then he made a face like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I don't know. I I watched yeah, it. It was a weird exchange. Yeah, I watched it about four or five times now. I still don't think it's a red. I like to think that I'm not being biased. That's just the way I look at it. I think it should have been a yellow, and that's it. My initial reaction was the same thing in terms of how Aureliano should have handled it, give him a yellow, and then review and decide. Yeah. But I was actually looking at the rules on VAR today, and it doesn't really matter because whether it's a yellow card that gets upgraded to a red or a red card that gets downgraded to a yellow, those are both reviewable by VAR. We saw the VAR replay, so we know that they actually looked at it. Now, I guess you can say that it's harder to reverse the decision than it is to keep it. John Luke, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Did Aureliano get it wrong here? I think so. And like Joe said, I don't want to be biased, but I was talking about this earlier and I just watched it like uh, the extended highlights right before uh, hopping on here. But if that foul is committed by one of our players defending a corner where he has his the arm around him and it's an attacking player that has their arm around him, they're going to call the foul on the attacking player and give the defending team, you know, a free kick, but it'll never be a, a penalty call or anything, even if Osaman flops. So for me, it's like, these are fouls that are always going to happen in the box. Like Joe said, and they're just going to get let go. If Osaman doesn't retaliate, it doesn't get called. Even if Fabian didn't get the ball and so-called advantage is being played, that never gets called. It, it just doesn't. It's not a, a foul or anything like that. And, and as far as what Osaman did was just it was a little bit too hot if you ask me considering what the hymens was doing to him like i i didn't think that it was something to start pushing or whatever i I mean i don't know if i caught anything any other harassment from him throughout the first 25 minutes or whatever it was it's another day in city uh these refs and uh, as joe was saying like every it's changing the league's changing how many times a few years ago kelini or Paulo Cannavaro, their head would be wrapped up, and whoever did it was still on the field. Maybe yeah. a yellow, maybe not. So for me, it's like I get it. We can't have people getting chippy and violent, but at the same time, like these are grown men playing a physical sport. It's going to happen. Things are going to get chippy. It's first twenty-five minutes, opening game, no other warnings. Give him a yellow and tell him, look, cut it out. You do it again, that's it. You're out. No questions asked, and that's it. For me, like last year, I'm watching the Bologna game, and Soriano, he gets a red card for talking shit back to the referee. Straight red. And I'm sitting there thinking, this has got to be a joke. Like, there's no way they could just give him a red. Like, he didn't even commit a foul. Well, that was insignia, too, in his hand. Sent, yep. Yeah, sent off. And I'm sitting here in disbelief. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, if this was not Blair, I'd be going nuts right now. There's no way you could give a straight red for showing you up. 
at that point, there's not even fans in the stands. Like, <laughs> why are you so sensitive that you have to give a player a red card for this? I don't understand. But at the same time, Soriano got a red card, I believe, again this weekend. And I was talking to somebody about it. I believe it was Gaetano. And he said, well, you know, you're going up to head the ball. Your arms are going to go up with you, which is totally correct. But when you swing it in a malicious way, it's almost like your intent is like, hey, if someone's there, I'm going to elbow them in the face. I don't care. When you're going up with that kind of intent, I could see a red card being given. But when you're pushing straight ahead, you know, he's not really looking to see if it's the guy's face. He's not throwing a punch or an elbow. It's like He's trying to extend to get the guy away from him. So for me, it's not malicious. And neither was Heyman's foul on Insignia on the counter where he pulled him down with both arms. I think that's a straight yellow all day, every day as well. Yeah, I mean, we can't have it both ways where we're going to, you know, with the Euros, we're going to praise Kellini, but then when it's done to Insignia, we're like, oh, my God, what the hell? I mean, granted, I got off my couch and I'm like, what the, you know, like I'm flipping out. Yeah. Because for me, I'm thinking like, yeah, that's a professional foul, but all of Venezia's defense is still there. So I'm like, what the, what the hell are you doing, bro? Like, let him go. Like, let him, like, it wasn't that type of moment, I guess. And I was thinking something better could come of it, but that wasn't that. Yeah. I saw a lot of people making that argument as well. Well, how come that wasn't a red? I completely agree. That's a professional foul. It's a tactical foul. I think a lot of it comes down to intent. Heyman's on that play is not trying to injure anyone, right? He's, it's intentional. He was intentionally fouling, but he was not trying to injure. On the Osman play, I also think there was no intent to injure, but there may have been a perception that there was, or just to play devil's advocate, because I, th- I actually, I'm probably in the minority here, especially amongst Napoli fans, but I can at least understand why he was given the red card, and, and I point to two reasons. One is that it looked to me on, on especially when they showed that VAR replay, which is, you know, I have my qualms with VAR as well. I think generally it, it's good for the game, it gets more decisions right than wrong. But sometimes, you know, a little snippet of a of a sequence of a much larger sequence gives you maybe maybe the wrong impression. But it looks to me like he's kind of turning and almost swinging. And I think he was just he was very excited. You know, first game he started off, he was flying like yeah, he, he was. was you cannot miss him. Everybody saw that. It, no matter what team you cheer for, people were excited to see this guy play. So he's got all of that that energy going, and I think he's just trying to shove the guy off of him, but maybe he went just a little too aggressively. And then the thing that I think really got him on this play was that his hand happened to hit the guy in the throat. You know, if it hits him in the upper chest, yeah. it just looks like a shove. It's probably a yellow card at best. But his hand got up, and I think, again, when you look at that in a super slow-motion VAR review, it looks worse than maybe what was actually there. What's, I think, frustrating for us now as fans is that he's probably going to get three games for this, which I'm pretty sure when when we talk about two or three games, that includes this Venezia match. So three games would mean he misses the Juventus game. Two games would mean that he misses just the Genoa match. I can already see here. I'll give you guys my theory on this because, you know, we had all the drama with uh, last season with Juve and the game being postponed because of the COVID situation. I was reading today that it'll be two or three games, but Napoli could appeal. (laughs) As soon as I saw that, the first thing I thought of was, okay, this is what's going to happen. De Laurentiis is going to appeal this decision because of the process 
It'll be tied up in court or whatever the appeals process is. Osman will get to play the Juve game, and there's going to be a huge drama again between Napoli and, and Juve. So doesn't end. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. It, it's never going to end. I'd be happy with Genoa and a large fine because right. I'm not paying it. But <laughs> but well, hold on. What makes you think ADL is going to pay that? Yeah, I know. Anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> For real, it's going to affect the insignia renewal properly. <laughs> but I agree, Joe. Like it did look like he's throwing his shoulder into it as he's turning around. But at the same time, I do think that it wasn't like he was going high. His arms was perfectly level with his shoulder. And he's just a tall man, so it's going into Hyman's neck. I do also think is because he was fouled two other times. And one time they didn't call it at all because Di Lorenzo got the shot off and he missed it wide left. And I think that he just had this frustration, like, you guys are attacking me and we haven't even got started yet. And I think he needs to work through that because this kid's really talented, really fast, really special, technical, shot, everything. You're going to get harassed. This is only the beginning. And that's only Venezia. So cool off and get it together because we got a long season. We want to do something. We don't need to deal with this drama. Yeah, I think Joey got it right. He is still young, but he's 22, so he's not that You can pay big boy money. Right. Yeah, act like a man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't lose your cool like that. I mean, I, I love Osaman. I think he's going to have a huge year, but this is not a great start. We talked about the potential for suspension, so we'll we'll see how that goes after Osman gets sent off, about 10 minutes later, Piotr Zielinski collides with Mattia Caldara and stays down for a while. He's clearly in pain, tries to run it off, but eventually he has to be taken out. Gianluca, what was going through your mind watching this as, you know, we just lost Osman, now we lose our best midfielder? It was a scary moment, and I think you said it perfectly in the group chat, like, we can't have nice things. It really just stunk because, you know, we're, we're seeing someone who's a focal point, knowing that Dem is hurt, knowing that Bakayoko is still in England, and we don't even know if we really want him back. So seeing him get hurt puts us in a really big position now. You know, immediately I'm thinking, who do we got? We got Almas and Gaetano. And then I think we called uh, Luca Palmero up. But honestly, these are guys that you're not sure if they could really hang. You know, in Serie A, like we could pass them off to play against uh, Venezia, even Elmas. I think he's going to have a breakout year. I really do because his ability with the ball is just something nice to watch. And you see it no matter who he's playing against. And if he's out wide, I I think he has to be out wide. I think using him in the midfield, it's not, you're not getting the best out of him. But to me, I'm just automatically thinking like, where are we putting people? How is this going to work? Because I already thought that we needed a guy regardless because Bakayoko and I don't want him back. Deme getting hurt, I was like, all right, we definitely have to get someone. Now it's if we don't get someone. But now you're starting to think like, all right, if we're only able to get one player, are we getting a left back or a midfielder? And it's like, uh, it's tough. Yeah, according to uh, the official website today, Zielinski has a thigh injury, which is like the most vague description of an injury you're, you're going to get. I was thinking it was a hamstring at first, but then I think someone was saying it was a knee collision. It could be a contusion or yeah, something. It looked a little higher. So Yeah, exactly. When I watched the match again, I, I specifically looked for that to see if their knees collided. And it, I thought maybe it was just a bad Charlie horse because you could see that Kaldara's knee 
gets him above Zelinsky's knee in that thigh area. I guess yeah. the good thing though is that they didn't say it was a knee injury. So yeah. hopefully it's it's not that serious. You mentioned LMS. One man's loss is another man's opportunity, and I think he took it. We're gonna come back to LMS a little bit later, but I want to talk a little bit about Lorenzo Insigne. Bad luck comes in threes, and third one, just to, to really set us off on the first game of the season, was Insigne missing the uh, the penalty kick. But all in all, I think it was a pretty good performance. Joy, what did you think about Insigne's performance? Yeah, I, I thought he had a good game. I didn't think it was a great game, but I thought he had a good game. The thing that impresses me the most with Insigne right now is the games that he's having, the mishaps that he has during a game. As soon as the chips are down and things are going bad, he's actually being a captain more than ever. And I think this was full-blown last year, but now him coming back from the Euros, he's riding the high right now. Him and GDL, they're both riding the highs right now. And you could see it. As soon as those two went down with the red card, everyone's walking back with their head down. He's clapping. He's, he's doing all he can. Now, that would have never happened under Angelotti. Yeah. I don't think I don't think there's no way that would have happened when he was here. And you might want to credit it to uh, Gattuso getting that out of him or yeah. maybe helping him steer him to be more of a captain. But you see it more now than ever. So when he missed the first one, he came back. Palatano ran over, put his arm around him, said, let it go. And he was back into the game. The next time he got the ball, he was doing his thing. And that's why when he stepped up for the second one, they did a close-up of his face. And uh, Spalletti didn't even want to watch. He turned around. He, th- there was no way he was going to watch that. But you could see it in his face. He, he stepped up. He was determined. He didn't look nervous at all. And, you know, he knocked it in. And it says more about him being a captain and how much he's matured, man. He really has matured. Like, there's little moments you notice now that would have never happened with him years ago. Like, you know, when he got subbed off at the end of the game, he went over to Koulibaly. Koulibaly takes the armband, gives him a kiss on the head. And then at the end of the game, when the game's over, Koulibaly shows him the same respect, goes back over, he says, no, you're going to walk off the field right now with the armband, gives it back to him. And I'm like, wow, years ago, guys wouldn't even shake his hand before they they left the field. They were so pissed. You know what I mean? But he's got the command of the locker room. And I like it that he doesn't let things phase him like he used to. If he would have missed that pen two years ago, he would have been done for the game. He would have been useless. He would have been Mario Roy, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, last yeah. season even, not even two seasons, but I know he grew a lot under Gattuso, but even last season, he missed that penalty against Juve in the Supercopa, and he didn't score again for, I don't know, a week or maybe longer, a bunch of seven games maybe. It was until we played Juve again, and he got another penalty and converted it, and that kind of snapped him out of it. But I completely agree. I think he's really embraced that leadership role. I love that moment at the end of the match. It was pure class from Koulibaly and you said proof that Insignia now commands respect to get that kind of respect from the vice captain, a guy who everybody respects and he doesn't have to say a word. He gets respected. Mm. That tells you a lot. You mentioned, you know, everything he was singing after Osman got the red card. And then also, like you said, stepping up and taking that penalty. Spalletti said after the match in the uh, on the zone, they have the post-match conferences and a bunch of guys spoke to them. And which, by the way, one of the panelists is Chiro Ferrara, which is pretty cool. 
But, oh, wow. um, but they asked Spalletti about that, and he said Insigne asked him to take it, so he let him take it. And I tried to see if, if he ran up or not. I think he just kind of looked in that direction, and I guess maybe Spalletti gave him a nod. Once Insigne grabbed that ball, you knew he was taking yeah, it. That, again, you know, that's, that's the confidence that he had there. And then, you know, the best thing was I didn't spot it. Joey, you spotted it live. I didn't see it live. But Insigne's <laughs> celebration, which we've all seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. I can follow it. I haven't seen that since uh, Setanduno was here. <laughs> I haven't seen anyone do that since since he was here. He did it yeah. a couple times too, but uh, you know I don't even want to say his name. <laughs> yeah. So and and that was another thing Spalletti talked about. He talked about the katsima, which is uh, a Napolitan word that is like next to impossible to translate. <laughs> I've been trying so hard to translate it. The the listeners can't see this, but Joey's just laughing. <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> you know, Daniela once described it as the attitude of instinctively seeking and finding one's own advantage. I'm told it's that plus attitude. Um, so he showed the Katsima there. Oh, for uh, sure. To touch back on that moment with uh, Koulibaly and Insignia, the thing that was great about that was the involvement of the fans. The fans were singing the the Capitano song. So it was just like uh, like after everything that's happened in the last year with COVID, the fans and everything. And, and like Joey said, the high that he's riding on from the Euros, I think Gattuso did give him a little bit of a push and a reason to be a captain because – so much was happening last season, but um, I think his locker room presence and impact for the Azuri really carried over now. And like you see it, like Joey said, when he's calling out the players and he's telling Costas to you know shut up and leave the ref alone, and he's encouraging everyone. Two years ago, Insignia would need would be one of the people that needs encouragement after Osman gets a red card, and that's no knock on him. That's just you know he's got a lot of personality and emotion, so. If you give us the the God gift of talent to be on that field like he is, we have these emotions on the couch. Imagine living it like on the field. So a lot of people, you know, they talk, they say all this stuff, but it's really hard to work through that. And he's finally found his way and might be 30 or, you know, getting older or whatever you want to call it. But this kid's never been playing better for us. So I'm all for it. Give him the money. Let's do it. Yeah, I personally think that Gattuso had some influence on this. I mean, the the picture from last season was Insignia celebrating and looking like Gattuso. So if there was some influence there, and even like you guys have both said at the Euros, Insignia was the guy where every single substitution that was coming on or off the field, he was running up to them and encouraging them, you know, high five, Mm -hmm. whatever. So yeah, it definitely took over that leadership role. You mentioned the the fans singing. Saro Conte has become a bit of a catchphrase slogan for the team. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but Spalletti has been very repetitive in all of his press conferences. One of them is Saro Conte, which he's obviously doing for the fans. Another one is he keeps saying how important Insignia is. He keeps saying that he doesn't want to lose any players, which I think that's his way of sending a signal to De Laurentiis. And he keeps saying things like the other day, he said that complaining is for losers, which I I think was meant to be taken as like making excuses is for losers. And I think that's his way of establishing a a winning mentality at the club, which we all know has been a big issue for this team. So let's talk about Spalletti a little bit, Gianluca. I know it was Venezia, which is a team that even 
with an extra man did not look very good. Mm. But with everything seemingly against Spalletti, he still managed to pull off this victory in his first game in charge. So how would you assess Spalletti's management of this game? I think he gets, you know, an A, solid A. Because like you said, it's, it is Venezia. This is when you're watching them, they're a Serie B team through and through. <laughs> so losing your star forward, star midfielder uh, injured right at the, you know, the start of the game practically when it's still 0-0. And being able to, you know, stick through that, keep a clean sheet. And it wasn't like Venezia had many opportunities, but they did have a few moments. One thing I really just love to see is even down a man, knowing that we are the quality side. Down a man with Gattuso, we lock it up, we sit back. We were playing like we weren't down a man. We kept pushing forward. We stuck with the agenda. We stuck with our game plan. You know, we weren't sitting too far back defensively. I mean, luckily it was Osimhen, the player that was lost, so it gives us that advantage, if you want to call it, with rearranging the tactics. But I think he did a great job. And then going into halftime, coming out, we stuck with it. It wasn't like we went into halftime and he pulled some substitutes right at the half and started to play defensive. We kept it steady. So it was a huge win. Venezia are not, all things considered, missing a penalty. Osimhen red card, Zielinski injured and having to just roll with it, we did great, I think. And if it's a sign of what's to come, then I'm excited. I hope that we just stay consistent, build on it. But I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing, even though I wasn't a Spalletti fanboy, as you know, when uh, we were going through it last year. But I, I'm happy. I'm going to root for him. I'm liking what I'm seeing. And it wasn't just that, you know, all the cards were stacked against them the way this match panned out, but... There was also the fact that heading into this match, we already knew that Inter won convincingly. Atalanta won their game less convincingly, but they still got the win. Lazio won. I also thought they didn't play that well, to be perfectly honest, but they got the win as well. Juve dropped points. And then, of course, you know, I think Roma was playing at the same time, and it just felt like, okay, here we go. Juve drops points, and now the world is conspiring against us for us to drop points too. Joey, you told me before the season started that you weren't sure yet what you thought about Spalletti, which I think is a perfectly reasonable position to take. I think a lot of people are in that position. I imagine you need to see more than a game against Venezia, even with everything that happened. But what were your first impressions of uh, Spalletti? This is actually the first game I've seen us under Spalletti. I didn't watch any preseason games. I mean, I was impressed. I was impressed because right after the red card, that a camera angle of him putting his head down, him just like shrugging his shoulders like, damn. But the players came back right after that, and we were playing like we were up, man. So I love the way the players, you know, rallied. And um, you have to give them credit for that because I don't know if the last two coaches, I don't know if we do that right away. I really don't. Spalletti, I've always been up in the air about him. I always liked him, but I felt like when I was watching him at Inter, I feel like their 4-3-3 was more for a target, man. I felt like it was a lot of crossing. It was a lot of... And we saw that with Ancelotti more than anything else. And we would cross to a guy that's 5-6, you know, playing a 9. And, you know, talking to a few people, they're like, listen, he's really good right off the bat. You know, you're going to equal another 5 to 8 points a year. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. We'll see I don't want to make up my mind about him yet. I thought he had great subs yesterday. I would have made the same subs. I probably would have took out Fabian a little earlier. But other than that, I think his subs were great. 
I feel bad for him because I feel like he should have had, you know, a little bit more leeway in the market. I feel like he should have got more of his guys in here and he should have had him for the whole camp. And obviously it's a financial thing. You know, I don't, we don't even have $2 million to get a loan right now, but get his guys in there. Give him a chance. You know what I mean? Otherwise the guy's going to lose the first four out of five. We're going to drop points all over the place and everyone's going to call for his head. And that's not really his fault. You have to give a new coach some of his guys. Yes, he might have took the job, and ADL might have told him, listen, this is all you're getting. This is it. You're not going to have much of a market. Juan Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, what are you talking about? He gave him a He gave him a beautiful (laughs) Brazilian gift. Come on. You can't complain Uh, about that. I don't even know if Benevento would have taken him, but, you know, listen, man. Listen, give him somebody, some of his guys – no one's asking for high-profile guys for him. Everyone understands we haven't made money in two years now, and we spent a lot last year. So the jury's not out on him yet. I want to wait a little bit. I want to see how he does. But, I mean, yesterday, you go down, a man. You go down, basically, you know, your star nine. And you rally around, get a 2 nothing shutout. Got to give him credit for that. And, by the way, to me, Insigne played good. But the man of the match to me was Koulibaly. I don't know. People are still taking him for granted. Venezia could have easily had two goals and tied the game up. Yeah. That guy played lights out. Manolas, I, I don't know. He's probably already in Greece. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but Koulibaly played lights out. I'm tired of like, oh, yeah, you know, this guy, man of the match. Dude, he's almost man of the match every time he steps on that field. He did kill it. But I think Insigne had a, a really good game, honestly. Uh, if you think about it, he kind of, I mean, Lozano played a big role in that goal but insignia had the touch to him the poke the little chip and then also if politano had a a right foot he could have had an amazing assist and i hate even saying this you know dare mention his name but calayon i think maybe might have done something with that ball (laughs) but onto the ball a little too much for me he's he's there but from the guy he he's been great for us but uh, he he's gotta he's gotta give the ball up quicker i i agree but i did think the other day against Venice, he was passing it a little bit quicker than he normally would, honestly. I, I think that he was giving up the ball in good places, but I agree. Sometimes I feel like he wants to be a one-man show, and it puts Di Lorenzo out of position because if he makes the run and he doesn't use him and then Politano loses the ball, boom, we're out. Yeah, we've gotten caught a lot of times like that because typically when one fullback gets forward, the other fullback drops back, and that becomes your three-man back line. And it works just fine when Mario Rui gets forward because then you have a back three of Koulibaly, Manolas, and Di Lorenzo. Solid. But when Di Lorenzo gets forward and you got a back three of Mario Rui, Koulibaly, and Manolas, that's more like a back two. We saw how many times Koulibaly came over. And I think, to Joey's point, I agree Koulibaly was insanely good in this match, but we've almost become so accustomed to it that we just take it for granted, right? But he was eating up everything, and... Even you know guys that are probably five, ten years younger than them, he's he's beating them to the ball. I do have to give credit to Spalletti for the substitutions that he made. I was not expecting Lozano to make an appearance in this match. I know physically mm-hmm. he was fit, but he just rejoined the club maybe a week before the season started, so he had very little time to learn Spalletti's way of playing. He, him and Gaetano come on at the same time. Gaetano, another player who looked ready to me. He's been with the team for a long time. I think he's probably still going to get loaned out. 
We'll see if maybe the Zielinski injury might change that now. I'd like but, to keep him. So would I, yeah. I'd like I mean, to keep him. I mean, you know, uh, how are we ever going to see – and if we're going to loan him, I'd rather loan him to a city, a hot team. Maybe loan him to Venice. Get him minutes. We're never going to see if he's going to reach his full potential by putting him on a team like Kremlin. That's just me. I, I liked what I saw. I mean, he played his little role in, in the goal. Mm-hmm. I think he could play. I think it's worth having on the team. I think he's not a risk, a risk taker, and and he wants all he wants to do is play for Napoli. So I can't imagine him taking it for granted. Yeah, and he looked very comfortable out there. He did not look like a young guy getting his. I mean, he's made his handful of appearances, but he came on and he made some pretty solid plays. Nothing that blows your mind away, but I thought he looked good. So. Yeah. Credit to Spalletti for even having that confidence and, and recognizing that that's there. Right? It's game one, too. That's what I was like most impressed with. Yeah. All right. There were a number of players that I thought had good performances. So let's close by doing a little bit of a rapid fire. What I'll do is I'll go to each of you. We'll alternate. So I'll give you a name, and you guys give me uh, a couple of thoughts on how they played. I'll start with you, Gianluca, since this guy, Joey, already touched on, but Kaladu Kulibali. Uh, he played amazing. I think even the announcer said it like, oh, maybe his prices dropped, but you know, he's been lights out for years and it doesn't look like he's slowing down. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Joey, Elif Elmas. Oh my God, man. I'm so glad you brought him up. But listen, man, I cannot make my mind up about him. I really can't. I don't know if he's going to be good or not. I really don't. I saw a tweet about him yesterday and I, I sat back and I thought about it. I really don't know how he's going to turn out. I don't. Sometimes I think he's going to be great. Sometimes I think uh, he's going to be shipped out. I thought yesterday he played good. I thought he played solid. I thought he came in ready to play. And if I had to give him a reader, I'd give him a seven. I, I think he played really good yesterday. You mentioned you didn't watch too much of the summer camp, but uh, one thing I noticed about Elmas, and I think this is just his personality, because even when he did his post-match, he was another player that they interviewed on the zone and I don't know if he was nervous or the guy just has so much energy that he was kind of just like moving back and forth. But in summer, this guy trains the same way he plays. <laughs> he goes 100% and he may not make the best decision sometimes. And actually Spalletti pointed this out in one of his conferences that his running is great, but he needs to do more than just run, right? So I think he's another player that has a lot of potential we have to be careful not to overreact to this performance because we did the same thing last season where... He got a start. He scores a, a beautiful goal. I can't remember who it was against, maybe General. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, Joe. Are you asking Napoli fans to not be prisoners of the moment? <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing? Come That's on. You're asking a lot. You're asking a lot. No matter what the subject is, it could be a guy scoring a goal. All of a sudden, he's Maradona. It could be somebody missing a penalty. All of a sudden, he's, you know, he's the worst player of all time. I mean, guys. Take it easy. <laughs> I think Elmas is going to be good, though. I don't know why you're indecisive on him. I, I really think with – and what is he? He's 22, I think, or, or 21. something. He's 21. Yeah. You know, I think he's he just needs the time. I, you know, I could tip my hat to Ancelotti to finding him or whoever found him, but I like him a lot. I, I think he's good, but I think he needs to be used appropriately. I think yeah. if he's used in the midfield, you're not getting the best of him. But if you have him – in the Trident, or even as a Trey Cortista, I think you're going to get the best out of him. Yeah, but, but when is he going to get time there? Maybe now. 
maybe now we got to see what they're going to decide. Are they going to let Insignia play Rome free, false nine, kind of like he was doing at the Euros, and let him run around and put Elmas over there or Lozano over there? I don't know. I think he'll get time because they're going to have to move it around a lot. Because Batania is not someone you want to rely on. But we're drifting. I'm sorry, John. So. No, that's okay. I mean, <laughs> I think with part of the problem with Elmas is that it's figuring out where to play him. We've tried him on the wing. We've tried him in the midfield. He's so versatile it hurts almost. Yeah, yeah. almost. Yeah, it, and he needs that consistency playing in the same spot all the time. And maybe he'll get that depending on the extent of this uh, Zielinski injury. We could see him there. He tends to play more of that role with Macedonia, either on the left wing or in the 10. Maybe that allows Mertens to just be back to playing as a false nine. Mertens still has his injury situations, and he's getting older also. So probably yeah. nice to have that, that versatility. Gianluca, you're next. Stanislav Lobotka. What a turnaround. <laughs> you know, that guy uh, lost his quarantine weight, that's for sure. He, he definitely looks slimmer because that combat jersey last year was fitting him like a spandex glove so <laughs> I, I i liked him as a regista i can't lie i think he had one moment where he had a horrible pass off of a throw-in from de lorenzo and he just kicked it completely out and i was like what the hell man like i was just saying how i liked you but i think he had a, a great game if he finds consistency and uh, spalletti is able to get the best out of him and he's able to play like that holding midfielder role and he's in, in if he shows that he has like the defensive capacity while while dem is out i think it's good yeah obviously he's benefiting from having lost weight and i don't know maybe also that dem injury again knowing that he's going to get consistent playing time he's taking his opportunity again it's uh, that's just the sort of quote unquote new signing of the year right it's mm. every everyone always likes to highlight these guys that are not really new but Maybe play a more prominent role. That's all. That's all we got. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're not getting one in from. He lost weight. He's no. <laughs> I don't know what Joey's complaining about. We got Juan Jesus. We signed Stanislav Lobotka. Right. We bought Malquita and own. We bought Malquita own us back. I mean, yeah. look, we're ready. I think Jesse Pinkman had a good game yesterday. <laughs> I, I gave him a really good rating. I, I I thought he played sound. I thought he played smart. I thought he was in the right spots for the most part. On counters defensively, not like Deme. I think Deme's positioning is is a lot better. Mm-hmm. But he gives you a different component when he's in there. He's more fluid offensively. He's just moving around more fluid. He looks looks more comfortable out there. And he sometimes could shoot the gap. He has that little step of speed. Sometimes he could yeah get yeah, right in between. And, and that's what I mean. Like offensively, he looks smoother. He looks he looks more fluent running. You know, touching the ball, giving one touches. Between him and Insignia, I like that. But defensively on counters, it's a little scary. And the way we played yesterday, you know, we're playing with basically two defenders out there. You know, Mario Roy's on the sideline the whole game. You know, even GDL, you know, he was flo- he was floating a lot yesterday. I thought all in all, I thought he had a solid game. My thing with him is even when he comes in on uh, substitutions, he looks good. That doesn't mean he should start the next game. Yeah. But I thought yesterday, solid start. I can't be mad if he starts the next game. Can't be mad. Yeah, well, I think he has to start because... Yeah. <laughs> Who do we got? But he, he would have earned it regardless. Right. I think I early think reports so. are saying uh, maybe uh, Zielinski might be out two weeks, hopefully. I don't know. Yeah. Let's hope. Yeah. He won't go to Poland. That's, that's only one good positive out of it. 
But I mean, I'm not a, a huge foot mob guy. I don't know what formula they used to come up with their ratings, but I think they had Lobotka as the man of the match, and you can make a case for it, I think. For me, it was probably Koulibaly as well. All right, Joey, I saved the best for last, Mario Rui. Oh come on, why? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Yes. Even, to be honest, I didn't even know he was playing half the time. Like I'm, I'm looking at him on the sideline. I'm like, oh, I guess he got subbed out. No, he was, he was in the game. He was just literally standing on the sideline, <laughs> like, like just waiting to be an outlet. And I'm just like, man, I, listen, man, he plays with heart. I'll give him that. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, he's got Katsima. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. But I don't care about that when we're in the middle of a tough game. You know what I mean? You know, I need some talent. I think he should be a starter. I'm not saying the guy's a scrub. A lot of times I'm probably too hard on him, but I just, I mean, three years now, man. I just want someone with skill in there rather than someone who's just going to give his all. But it's really not enough for a big club. If he goes to, uh, you know, one of the uh, relegation uh, squads or maybe mid-table, and starts for them, it's not really a big deal. But for a big club, he shouldn't be starting. I'm sorry. I agree. It is what it is. It's it's scary. And, like, for me, I'm very much very vocal, and I've said this a million times. I'm sure people even get sick of it because it's it's almost reality and it's impossible to avoid. But no team will win anything worthwhile with guys like Mario Rui starting. We don't have anyone else to put there. But what defense feels any type of – nervousness i mean granted insignia is a good free kick taker he didn't have three good ones at all yesterday but when you have mario Rui standing there too like this guy is, is a nobody like for me I, I just feel like he's good if you have him as a sub or as a guy to rest a starter when you're playing a team like venezia and like joey said the way he was playing it was like you didn't know he was there unless he got the ball like he wasn't doing much and you can afford to do that when you're playing against venice even with 10 guys but when you're starting to play teams like Inter, Juve, Milan, Atalanta, you can't – it's going to be tough. And for me, I'm, like, ready. Like, you know what? Let's Like, I felt like we should have just took the risk and put one of the youth team guys in yesterday. We're playing Venice. Do it. If it rocks, it rocks. And that's it. Because I'm, I'm just sick of it. Like Joe said, it's been three years. You know, we all like kind of complain about Carleone the last year and a half, maybe two years he was on the team. But this is a whole nother level of torture. Uh, did you see when Koulibaly had to literally pick him up off the floor? He's been like, doing that for years. Yeah, he's pushing he's him into different. defenders. He's picking him off the floor. It's like enough is enough already. And like Joe said, you put him on another team, he might be a good guy on that team. But he's no, nobody. You put him on any other of the top seven teams in the league, he maybe gets... 90 minutes in the season for Atalanta, Milan, Lazio, Inter, Juve, Roma. Where, where do you put him? He's only on our team as a starter because we literally have nothing else there. We almost have been ignoring it since uh, Gulam's got hurt. Mario Rui was a filler. We got him in January. Gulam, I think he got injured in December that year in the group stage against Manchester City. We got Mario Rui as a filler. He's been here ever since. It's leaking water, that hole that we plugged. It's leaking water like no tomorrow. And, I think, and in all fairness, I think that's what makes it worse. You go from Gulam to him, and it's like he's not giving you anything. Even on some of these lower-level teams, you have guys maybe in City or B right now. And this is no knock on him. I'm just saying certain left backs could give you what he's giving you right now. It's And that's not a knock on him. It's just real. 
You know? I'm telling you, uh, put Malquid on the right and put Di Lorenzo on the left. Di Lorenzo literally could play anywhere in the defense. He's done it multiple times with Gattuso and even Ancelotti. Do it. Who cares? I'd rather have a quality guy behind Insignia rather than Mario Rui. Because at the end of the day, Insignia is our guy, right? We want to put him in a position that's going to leave him with the worst guy on the field behind him. So our best player on the field has the worst players supporting him. That, that's what it comes down to. That's why it, it angers me so much because you got, you know, you're going to put Mario Rui behind yeah. Messi. Like, you know, and, and not that Insigne is Messi, but he is our Messi. He's that guy on our, our field. He's the guy that we call on that. It's like, my God, get the ball, do something, please. And when you got Mario Rui behind them, you don't feel good. Uh, <laughs> I don't even feel good when Mario Rui's talking to him during the free kicks. I'm like, get the hell out of here. Go away. <laughs> you're, <laughs> like, you're just, you know, you're, you're bad. You know, it's interesting. When we're in possession, we're only really playing with two center backs anyway. Yeah. yeah. Koulibaly and Manolas are the only ones past the half line. Mm-hmm. So when we're in possession, what are we playing? A 2-6-3? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we really playing? So when it comes to that, it's sometimes guys will be like, well, he didn't have a bad game. Well, it's because you have the ball 70% of the time. And when we're in possession, he's hiding on the sidelines. You don't really see him. So, you know, it's kind of masking his performance, in my opinion. And you could get any left back in the world to do that. Yep. You could get any left back in the world. If he's not getting back on counters, I don't see any advantage in it. Yeah, I think the only team in the top seven that has, I don't even want to say a worse left back, but maybe an equivalent left back is probably Lazio. And, uh, their left back is all CT side. So, who just left, left but, does, but does Rui yeah. start over his side? I didn't think he was that bad in this match. It's Venezia, though. That's the no, thing. That's right. That's what buys him time. He plays against Venezia, not bad. He plays against Genoa, not bad. We go against Juve, you know what's going to happen. He's going to have everyone being like, oh, my God, what the hell? You chose to ignore it for two weeks against meatball teams. That's it. You know, it works for these teams. But once you start getting to the teams that you got to beat, he's not the guy you want. He's not the guy you want. Keza is going to make his life a living hell, that game. It's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, well, so, and that's the thing. I think, no disrespect to Genoa, but I don't think that's much of a test either, as yeah. you alluded to. So I think for a lot of these guys, Elmas as well, the Juve game is going to be the real test. Let's do one final one, the, the one I really meant for Joey. <laughs> Mario Rui was meant to be a bit of a joke, but that was a good discussion on him. Uh, Joey, what did you think about Alex Meret in this one? I thought he played well. I don't know if anyone else sees it. I think his positioning is great. I think he's playing with a lot more confidence. The only thing for me is on crosses, I like to see him come out a little bit more. And, you know, I keep forgetting how young he is, and he's going to mature into that, and he's going to pick and choose his spots, which is good. But yesterday, I thought he played great. Even that shot off the post, I actually thought he got it. I I thought he touched it. I don't know. Maybe he didn't. But his positioning on that was was excellent. He had a couple good saves. It wasn't really tested like how you would think, but I think his positioning has been great. You know, maybe his reaction sometimes isn't as quick as I would want it to be, but... I thought yesterday he played as good as he could. Yeah, I agree. There was one corner kick where he did come off his line quite confidently and, and win the ball, and he got fouled in the process. So it was a bit yeah. you know, brave goalkeeping. I, I think his confidence will really be boosted knowing that he is now the definitive number one keeper. 
I think that's where we'll leave it, guys. I think uh, we're just about out of time, so we'll wrap it up there. Joey, thanks for taking the time for coming on. You're not going to talk to me about DiLorenzo? Hey, yeah, okay. <laughs> let's go. Come on, that's my guy, man. All right, let's hear it. What were your takes on that? Nah, nah, nah. Listen, after what a story that kid is, though, man. What a story he is. Right. Comes up with Empoli. He's about to go back down. Comes on our squad. How much has he grown? I don't know if it was Benucci or Chiellini, but they were talking about each other, playing with each other. And then I forget which one which one said it, but they were like, we feel very comfortable with Di Lorenzo playing next to us too. And I, I said the same thing. You know, he gave up a pen. I forget to which country or which game that was. But he's been playing lights out even before that. To hear people say, oh, you know, Florenzi, if he didn't get it, no, he should. No, he Florenzi's was coming in either way. I said it to yeah, my he buddy. Was in, he's better. He did one way. chance. That was it. Whether it's injury or not, he's a better right back. And to me, he's got to be top five in Serie A right now. I'm not one of these guys who's going to jump out a window and be like, oh, he's the best in the world. No, he's not. <laughs> but let's keep it real, man. He paid his dues. The guy's oozing confidence right now. He's mm. oozing confidence. And he's always sound defensively. Sometimes offensively he gives you, he'll come up big, and sometimes he won't. He gives you what he can, but he's always sound defensively. He's very rarely is he out of position. And if he is out of position, Manolas knows he's going forward. So mm. whether Manolas got to slide over or Fabian got to slide over, whatever the case may be, he might be caught out of position, but that's because he's trying to help offensively. But usually defensively, I don't see any other right back as sound as he is. And I'm not sure about his stats, but when he scores, it seems to me like we're always tied or we're always losing. He always comes up big when you need him. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's my I guy. Agree. I love him. And I said to my buddy, like right before the Euros, I went by the pizzeria on Staten Island, Giuseppe's Pizzeria, if anyone's listening. <laughs> so I went over there and I was, we were talking about the lineup and I'm saying, you know, and his father's like, oh, Florenzi's going to be starting. I'm like, this guy, all Di Lorenzo needs is 30 minutes as a sub, if we're winning big or whatever's going on, maybe Florenzi gets hurt, and that's it. Once he's in there, there's no reason this kid shouldn't be starting. I think he's great. Like you said, the confidence, this kid's career is uh, it's uh, you know something everyone dreams of. Like that's literally just the started from the bottom story. And uh, I think offensively, the the confidence with everything, it's just going to improve. Like he had some good runs even yesterday where he dropped the shoulder, he had a shot. He even had that whole dribbling sequence into the box where he got a shot, but it was deflected. I think, uh, like you said, top five in the league for sure. I think there's a lot more to him to be seen. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely excited for him this season, especially. I think he's going to do even more. Those are all good points. I think it was something like five years from Seti Chi to Euro champion, which is just insane, right? right. Insane. Insane. So, and the other thing is, I think we can close on this, is that he played pretty much every single game last year. Like, he was... That's what I was going to say. Everyone wants to talk about this kid, Pedri. We, we, this De Lorenzo. This guy hasn't sat down for a second. And let's not forget, we're talking versatility here. We're yeah, talking, center back, left, left back, right back. He's covering at center back. And not only was he covering at center back, but he was excelling. Yeah, he was doing damn good. Yeah, and let's, I think there were a couple games where he struggled last year, but I do think it was because of the workload. And one thing that Spalletti has talked about is that he needs 23 strong players because he does intend to rotate. 
you know, whether that's against some of the weaker clubs, maybe in the some of the early rounds or group stage of the Europa League, and having someone like Malqui who can play that role in those games will just allow Di Lorenzo to be better because he's going to be fresh for the games, the big games, right? I'm happy Malqui's back. Yeah, me too. Uh, and, yeah, me too. I like seeing him play. He's like, you know, that a very fast, you know, left back that could just spark and go forward. So I like it. And when you got guys like Lozano or Politano there, it's a headache for defenders. Got a lot of depth on the right side. You know, when you're talking Malqui, GDL, Lozano, Politano, you're looking good on the right side. I'm comfortable with any of those four playing. I really yeah. am. That's what I'm saying. We need to we need to stack the left. Insignia needs that strong player behind him. You know, if he had even half of Di Lorenzo behind him, it would do much much more for him. He wouldn't need to maybe drop back as much. He wouldn't need to worry about like, oh, this friggin' idiot. I got to give him the ball. I think it's long overdue, as we all know. And God willing, it happens. Or maybe God willing, Juan Jesus gets touched by Christ. And and you know has like the best season of his life and takes over that spot somehow. I don't know. I'm asking a lot. Yeah, that's <laughs> reaching, man. That's reaching. Yeah, I don't know about that. Got it. For- <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want to see one uh, Jesus playing at left back. <laughs> I don't really want to see him at center back either. <laughs> All right, that's where we're gonna wrap it up for real. <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on, Joy. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Always a pleasure, man. I hope I could come on again. Absolutely. Gianluca, thank you again. Thank you, man. Same, man. I'm excited. Hopefully come back. Of course, of course. You can find both of our guests on Twitter. Joey is at JoeCacavala2. Gianluca is at Gianluca617. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5. And you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fortunopoly Pod. I'll be back in a few days to recap all the other matches from this round and to preview our match against Genoa. But until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Center. Network.